0: Yeah.
1: photographers where, you know, we rank albums and do shit with that. And you know what? It's the Happy Hour Minisode and it is so happy and wonderful and glorious <laughs> as we talk about the flaming lips, the fearless freaks, the Oklahoma friends that you know and you know, might do drugs with because they, they do a lot of drugs. Not Wayne as much apparently, but there's a lot of drugs that He on. says. Yeah, he hey, says. This is been, like, what? You know how
2: you write a bunch of, like, album or song based puns at the beginning? Yeah. I totally didn't use my terrible one at the beginning. Which was? Finally, the podcast Masters are taking assets. <laughs> <laughs> We're
1: all uh, tripping balls, everybody. Wow. All right. <laughs> guys, listen, I know you're hearing audio sounds come out of us, but it's like it's like an electric snakes in the air, man. It's just like flying around, baby. Right. I'm yeah.
0: saying words, but I think I'm just hissing.
1: I, <laughs> I think we've all become snakes, uh, which is, by the way, it sounds like a great Flaming Lips song. So guys, listen, uh, we did the thing. We have a lot to talk about, as you know, but the thing we need to talk about at the start of every happy minute show, we did our ranking, listened to the ranking podcast. They were really good and contentious and wonderful and filled with information like you wouldn't leave. The guys are making snake faces at me. <laughs> <laughs> not even kidding about that. But let's do the question that we started the other one. Guys! What's <laughs> the worst Flaming Lips song? And I know to say song, it's not plural. It could easily be plural. Uh, I, I feel like we should almost divide this into two categories because I feel like the first three albums is their own special kind of terrible and then there's the worst songs on the latter ones. And if you're talking about the ones on the first three albums for me it's pretty obvious. It's Maximum Dream for Evil Knievel. That's yeah. just a garbage ass, yeah. terrible ass motherfucking song. I mean
0: also like Ode to Sisi is oh. backwards <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> a, like straight up annoying. It's mm-hmm. really I don't know. I'd probably go with Do Glowing. <laughs> Um, I we mean,
2: nice, I, will yeah. say, I will say though, if you go on to heady ones, I think as long you could probably just open up the Wikipedia page, maximize that, close your eyes, and just stab your screen with your finger, and whatever you it's on is probably the worst we song i have ever done.
1: fighting robot dogs. Yeah. I will
2: say the only the only song on there I think is worth going back to. I'm going to I'm going we to
1: did. NASA. Yeah, uh, well, while on NASA yeah. is the only thing. I don't yeah. mind the Chris Martin song. It's a pretty, you know, by the numbers piano ballad, but it works. It's not terrible. I would know, and I would. I think I would also have enjoyed the Erica Badu cover of uh, "The First Time That I Saw Your Face," were it not for the fact that a space opera version of that, great. A ten minute space opera version of that, not so great.
0: Just you know, <laughs> putting that out there. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit much. Yeah,
1: what's your favorite? What's your least favorite uh, early era? Oh, those. man, early era. I mean, you could go with Ode to CC, too. i probably do it. the Ode to yeah. CC. It's... All right, so latter era, you would say that. What would you say is your least favorite latter era song?
0: Damn. I mean... It's sort of a, an obvious choice, but how will we know from Zyrica with the tones? I, I mean, A I Machine mean, in India like, is up there for me, too. It's, it's funny to me that you hate that so much. I'm also
2: really not the biggest fan of Pilot Can. That's kind of really down there. Yeah. Wow. That's why I was surprised, because like, I kind of think that what I find about transmissions, I kind of like the opener, and I kind of think the next two are the weakest songs in the whole album. Hmm. Oh, no, no. We've already done. We've already done that, guys. We've already done We're that, to,
1: guys. We're on to other stuff. Uh, John Harvey wants to talk about how shitty all their music videos are.
2: Oh yeah, dude. Like for <laughs> yeah, for a band that has such amazing visual art most of the time. I mean, I think like when it comes to actual drawings and paintings, Wayne Coyne, like he he designed the Yoshimi cover. Yeah, he that painted, he, that. He painted wow. that. Yeah, yeah. They uh like yeah, he's a good guy, and then like you get these videos, and it's like somebody took a cam, like uh like a tape recorder, and just like went into the the backyard and then like went into after effects and scribbled up all these effects i
0: mean that's literally what they do that yeah. is one of
2: the
1: videos yeah, one exactly. of the videos
0: but that's also like how he made his movie was like it, he shot it in his, his backyard, backyard with yeah. like large equipment that he found in the
1: area <laughs> <laughs> and just brought in and still tried to make a thing of it.
0: i also like i
2: also i'm still always really into wayne's uh obsession with vaginas it's a pretty big obsession <laughs> with vagina. You relate to him on that. I relate level? to that. I okay, good. Oh, <laughs> but like thanks, I think dude. it's like, I think it's really funny that like I didn't notice that, but when watching, they then they showed the clips of uh, the uh, Christmas on Mars thing when yeah. they had them doing the, the spacesuit. I didn't notice that the head just had a vagina on it. I'm like, oh, of course, it's of a, course it's a vagina yeah. in a
1: spacesuit. Guys, like... I don't know if you know this. Wayne Coyne likes pussy, and as of recent, likes young pussy too. Kesha, Miley Cyrus, as long as they a... blonde. Exactly. Yeah. Th- yeah. That's a weird and parallel. Brittany. Gwen, for they, example. Uh, yeah.
2: No, but I mean, like, yeah, even the, even in the stage design, I mean, like, uh, for, throughout, I think, like, 2008 to 2012, the opening of the show would, would be to a com- Stephen Droz and the band would play a song, composed, call it, titled in Excelsior vaginalistic and that's and then like you have the big round screen and then Wayne would like uh it this chicken be running and the screen just turns into this big three D trippy vagina that then Wayne just exits out of on like a hamster ball and then Q race for the prize. So <laughs>
1: wow that's amazing (laughs) oh wow (laughs) wait 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 wait. John Harvey wanted to uh, have a very specific uh, praise to Stephen Droz oh yeah dude fucking yeah I I thought I was gonna bring this up
2: in the beginning just the fact that Stephen Droz is kind of one of the greatest musicians who ever lived just think the dude is like just like Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones, and John Bonham combined into one guy. It's it's the he's one. Yeah, guy. He's, he's one a, of my favorite.
0: Yeah, he's an incredibly impressive multi instrumentalist, and th- I think that had he not found. Jesus. Wayne, Wayne. Coyne. Oh. I think that he still would have created something incredible. He would Like, would've, we would
2: have heard about yeah, him Somebody would have picked him up. I don't think you yeah. listen to that guy. Because here's the thing. Even when... Because um, now that they've had a different drummer, I think occasionally what they do for the live performances... Uh, for, like, race for the Prize, when I saw them do that, like, one time at Bonru, Like, they, they were currently have two drummers from the band Space Face to replace Cliff, who left. But when they bring on Steven, like, it's a totally different song. You're like, oh, like, you know, I remember I went to go look up footage of them playing at the Soft Bolton with the sh- Colorado uh, Symphony, Symphony Orchestra, Orchestra. Yeah. and I, like, loaded up the race for the Prize thing, and even though I can't really see the band, I'm like... Oh shit, Stevens on drums. Mm-hmm. Like you just know it when it's on there. It's, it's like almost incomparable. It's, it's not even just a way that's it's recorded. It's the way that he plays. I mean, like how, how many people can you say are like your favorite drummer, guitar player, composer and like composer?
1: Um, yeah, pretty easy for meeting Jason Mraz. So yeah, know, I mean, he's he's basically like mainstream Stephen Drose. You know how
0: this is our podcast; <laughs> it's not
1: yours anymore. <laughs> After what you just said, you need to suffer you're the consequences. Actually, That's why this. you're not allowed. That's yet. why
2: they abandoned the pad, the podcast, and formed two new ones. Evan formed cast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we talking about Mr A to Z from
2: A to Z. That's what we did. But yeah, we were t- we mentioned like a lot of obsession with gummies. I had a friend. Oh yeah, gummies. Oh yeah, yeah. The gummies. That's right. oh, so, gummies. So there's like just a little context uh, from like 2009 to like 2011, 2011 or 12 maybe. One of the two. It's a really long time. Like Wayne and the band were just obsessed with just gummies, gummies structures, skulls. Anything well, they found a but? guy.
1: They found a guy who was, like, able to create custom gummy molds. And they were like, oh, shit.
0: And so it, like, started off small. It was possibilities. like... This is the thing. <laughs> Is that Wayne Coin tries to tell us that he doesn't do drugs, <laughs> and then mass produces gummies with USBs inside of them. So yeah.
2: then it's like, uh, so then it's like, oh, um, it starts simple with a gummy skull, yeah. and there's a USB in the brain, yeah. and you gotta go and like reach into that, and then it just starts getting bigger. And the bigger. brain is a separate object from yes. the skull. Like yes. you yes. Cut, just open, open the skull,
0: it. and then. The brain is its own thing, and
2: then uh, and then they get that, and then I think like it ended the climax of the gummy saga It's because you have the specialties. Right. It was a full life-sized gummy Wayne coin with the uh, <laughs> no. with like with the heart piece, and again like with the brain, you had to do the same thing with the heart where you had to take out the gummy Wayne coin heart <laughs> and cut it open to get the USB. And so I had friends that got a, a brain skull. I forgot what's in it, but uh, my my bandmates uh, uh, yeah. Dave McConnell and Matt here Matt ordered this thing and they're like you know it's kind of cool but like once you get it you just you just don't want to do it you just right. don't want to rip right. it because it's only like one time they're yeah. like it's like it's the, like the weirdest experience having to go and like rip it open and it feels weird and kind of uncomfortable and then you're just kind of like yeah. left with this mess of it's gummy a little unnerving. and I'm like well did, did you eat it and it's like yeah like how did it taste like pretty fucking good. <laughs> like, it was a pretty fucking good gummy. But, like, yeah, just the act of it, it's, like, it's really, like, yeah, I don't think, it, it's a lot of work to get your music, which yeah. clearly hasn't been an issue for them before. No, right? I mean, they, again,
1: but this is around the time when they just began, they, like... No,
0: that's not... They regularly no, that's like make, make it, you it difficult work. But you listen to their music? Yeah,
1: but this is <laughs> around the time they began floating into the fucking atmosphere of weirdness. Because then they also started recording. I believe one of the gummy things contained a six-hour slot that they recorded. Right, six hours. Yeah, like there's that. a six-hour. There's a twenty-four hour. Then, yeah, yeah, then they were just like, oh, we could do that. Let's do a twenty. There's, let's do a song that takes an entire day to record. There's
2: the Seven Skies e- uh, EP that is just an edit of the twenty-four hour. Yeah, into <clears> like
1: <throat> here's the most digestible moments. Or whatever well, the fuck. Well, they
2: what's do. really fucking weird about the twenty-four hour. One is like, so I I own Seven Skies. I got it for Uh like pretty cheap, and there's a song on there, I forget what it's called, which it's been changed three times and ended up being Cyrus Skies off the fucking Miley Cyrus album, which is generally terrible except for that one song. I'm like, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. we also need to talk about again this is around time extracurricular activities yeah uh, after the whole Kesha Lips progress which was initially going to be Lipsha was shut down by Dr. Luke because he's like you're not going to be doing weird shit uh, like he, we they, have an image to uphold Kesha fuck you Dr. Luke uh, but then they, but then eventually, like he teamed up with Miley Cyrus, and they started like collaborating and appearing on things. And then they just went full board, went into the two disc Miley Cyrus and her dead pets era. And there are some Mike Will made it songs on there, classics like "BB Talk" and "Lighter." But then there's a whole bunch of Wayne Liner. Coyne fucking Liner around Liner in the like studio. Almost, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. but beautiful. Uh but yeah, oh, Jesus Christ, that album is such shit. Let's talk it's about so bad. let's talk about uh, was it Miley Miley's Magic Bowls? So, or, that was yeah. one of the
0: only things worth listening to because it's actual like playing with Tibetan bowls, um, and there's, yeah. it's like a nice minute-and-a-half ambient piece of music, unlike everything else on there, Do which it. is just garbage. Yeah, I garbage. smoke pot! Ugh. Yeah, I love
2: beats!
1: It's just
0: obnoxious. a Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. I
1: don't give a fuck! Oh, you're, so, you're such a rebel. You're a young rebel, Miley. I'm not
0: a hippie. Yeah. I smoke pot, and I love peace, but I'm not a hippie, though. Okay, Whoa. well then, what are you? Uh,
2: getting, that yeah. was no. That no one was, gives a shit. That was a pretty long phase too. It was. That was a unfortunately.
1: She also sang a lot when they did the fucking uh, cover of uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Uh, oh, like she, she appeared, did the Lucy like a... in the Sky
2: with the Lucy in the Sky. Yeah, but she that's...
1: appears on like four other songs. To be
2: fair, that is yeah. one of the better ones of the whole thing. I think that's like one of the only kind of okay songs i really don't like a lot of the collab- the collaborations or like are they the, the, mean, the co- yeah. album covers I think it kind of works with Dark Side. I don't think it's the greatest thing ever, but like I think, like I get it. I think it's kind of cool, and especially the any color you like. I really like the overly aggressive one of that. Mm-hmm. But like I, again, is it necessary? Probably not. But it's like they're kind of like, oh yeah, this is cool. Let's do it for all these other albums, and then you get to the Sgt. Pepper one, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah,
1: I mean that has been a lot of the <laughs> latter era of Flaming Lips fans. They had to endure a lot of just way too much material flooding the market. A lot of that material not being good, and not knowing. What the fuck is going on with the band? That's why, like, we were also a little bit excited for Oxy Melody too, because, like, oh, they're doing albums again. They're going to have real. And then it just turns to there needs to be more unicorns. Like, Wayne, come on.
0: Are you surprised that Cliff? left? Well, that was a a weird... Wasn't wasn't
1: Stephen Drozd who was, like, not a fan of doing these pop star girl collaborations too?
2: Uh, So, well, the Cliff thing, that one's kind of interesting. Wayne kind of has an interesting history of drama with other people.
1: For being the smart, intellectual, sweet guy that he is, he can also be a bit of a dick. Like, he's a really
2: really good guy, but, like, he just, like, I I feel like for, like, it's a lot of time, like, he's just, like, so gung-ho, or it's just... Especially not really being like considering like, oh yeah, everything I say is probably publishable. I just don't think he cares about that. So like when it happens like, I will say about the whole Cliff thing I think that when you join a band that's been existing for 20 years, I think that calling the band leader's girlfriend a cunt is kind of a fireable offense. It was basically, yeah, I think his, Wayne's been dating, I think this girl, she's like the the daughter of the mayor of Boulder or Denver. And there was some, there's some incident where she was filmed at a, Festival in like two thousand twelve wearing the in the Native American headdress. I
1: thought she appeared on like a magazine cover or something. Something like that, yeah. yeah.
2: And but to be fair, like a little bit fair on her part, that was the st- at the very beginning of that controversy. I think it was like that was going to be addressed uh, by people no matter what. That's who we go for first. Like we're gonna try and nip this in the bud, and we get that. So like they kind of like are the figureheads. For, like, this thing, like, you have to stop wearing the headbands. It's, like, kind of fucked up and rude. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they... So, like, Cliff just starts, like, kind of start bitching about that. The other thing, he kind of had a negative attitude. If you check it, he just... He was kind of a downer on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I think it's... And the other thing was, you find out later, even though it just kind of got highly publicized, but they said that, like, he even kind of came back later and admitted that, like, <clears throat> I kind of get why, like, this stuff... But it's basically like I he wasn't down for the collab albums, you know they're doing so much shit, and if they were doing something that he wasn't, they weren't that he wasn't into, he just wouldn't join, and it's like oh well, the flaming all the other four of yeah. them are working constantly, and there's this one guy that doesn't want to join.
1: Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a dick move. Yeah, but I mean at the same time, but the other thing I realized though,
2: go ahead. Oh yeah, but I mean more beefs. I mean we've also got we've got uh w- of of uh, Arcade Fire. There's the arcade. Do you know How about that?
1: How do I not
2: know? No, do I? Uh, arcade Fire beef. Oh, there's a little brief one. I guess uh, they said that before the show. Like uh, they were somebody was interviewing Wayne, and they were asking about saying like uh, talking about festivals. Like we had this one festival with arcade with Arcade Fire. Like their music's good, but man, like those guys are kind of a bunch of dicks. Oh, I remember hearing about I mean,
0: that. Are you surprised though?
2: I mean, I will say, in Wayne's defense, I have seen Win Butler play basketball. <laughs> Um, I could, I could (laughs) believe it.
0: No, and so that- I just believe it, like- Looking at their stage presence, like they're one of my favorite bands ever, but they we will be doing an episode. On yeah, kind of seem like they're pretentious ass. I think
2: ones. when when we were here for Beck, we talked about that one conflict, which mm. was kind of weird. That actually, I've learned more since that podcast.
1: When uh, the Flaming Lips were opening for Beck and being their backing band for a tour, which seems like a match made in heaven. And but...
2: so the Lips said that they, by the time they finished it, they were disappointed, and it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Like I guess like they didn't really. They said that they didn't really hang out with Beck all that much, and it was. More just to buy the numbers book when they in their head they're like oh yeah it'll be sweet we'll be just jamming backstage all the time and partying with Beck or just kind of a bunch of cool weirdos doing cool weirdo stuff and I guess there's this thing like Wayne or Beck like Wayne was just like you know like the thing of the, yeah like Beck like cool guy great musician but like he's like dude sometimes don't even dress himself like dude put on your own pants Beck <laughs> and then like I found that from like reading this thing with Beck or somebody asked him about it and he was like yeah I mean like it really took me by surprise because I had some weird immune system thing and I was just sick that whole tour and, like, I was just in bed constantly and I sometimes, like, needed help, like, getting up and just kind of getting dressed and, like, I thought we were cool and then, like, that kind of really fucked me up for a year because I, like... I have all this footage and stuff hanging out where he's like, he's saying my brother and I thought we were cool. And then I get this interview where he's like talking all, talking smack about me. It just kind of really messed with my trust of other people for a while. Damn. Damn. And Damn Wayne. D- Yeah. It's just, but again, like I could see where that happens. Cause I've also read the thing with Steven. Like imagine if it's just a big misunderstanding yeah. on
1: everybody's parts Uh, You know, it's not a misunderstanding, though, uh, during the Fearless Freaks documentary when, you know, it's a pretty good documentary. It gives you a lot of insight into the band, lots of home footage, things like that. And then, near the end, you know, I mean, they're talking about drug problems and things like that. Hey, Steven wants to do heroin on camera for the director of the the movie. Yeah, they don't show him actually injecting
0: it, but they show everything before and after. He's he's filling the
2: syringe. I I feel like... Beasley asked to film that though. Because, like, one thing I'll say, like, I just love Stephen Drows as a human being. Yeah. He's just like, well, you a total remember serious. your intro. Yeah. He's a total sweetheart. I yeah. mean, if you see him in anything. He really is, though. It, yeah. like, and if he's, like, even, like, Wayne has these conflicts, even, like, the stuff with, like, I love how, like, understated all, like, all any issue that Droz might have is inc- hilariously understated. Yeah. That's, like, <laughs>
0: that's so true. And it was so funny because I feel like even in the footage where he had just taking heroin, so he was like, he's no he way was on, like tripping out. <laughs> He still was like, he seemed like a pretty agreeable guy.
2: And he's like, you know, like, and, <laughs> like, his description of it is like, you know, like, I think it may get kind of serious soon. I'm like, it's very serious right now. It's very right serious now. right now. We're going like,
1: to freaking out like, He's right like, I
2: think I need to stop because, you know, like, this could really, like, I'm starting to worry this is going to end really badly. And I'm like, dude, it's
1: doing <laughs> heroin.
2: And, uh. It was one of my buddies also pointed yeah. out, like,
1: have you realized that there has never been a portrayal in any media whatsoever of heroin ever being cool? Like, right. every portrayal you ever see in, like, movies, TV, anything it's, it's, else. Like, like and, oh my God! This looks terrible. It never yeah. ends well. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know what needs to happen though, going forward, uh, we need to set Taran up with an interview oh. with Michael Ivins. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> you know why? Because after that, then every person here recording this podcast will have interviewed a member of the Flaming Lips, and I think that's pretty goddamn I also, cool. I also
2: had Wayne Coyne sign my fuzz pedal. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, <laughs> did exactly.
1: You met Wayne Coyne. You also interviewed him too. Interviewed, yeah. yeah.
2: How was that? Dude, it was pretty cool. I mean, like, I think like with Wayne and I and not like in a disparaging way, but like it's just because I think when you're in that public when the public eye that much, like there's kind of there's a Wayne Coin mode. It's a work mode. I I think we all have our work modes. Yeah. Um and so like when you interview him, it's kinda of like once you kind of get him out of Wayne Coin mode, like he's just so much fun to talk to. Yeah. I was just kinda of like, yeah, like at first I was like, I kinda of get what you're going on, and once you finally found that it was just He's also, dude. His hair was so like, I he's like, his hair is so much bigger than you could ever comprehend in like <laughs> person. Like, I just remember being that, like, I think he we may be the same height, but like, I feel so small compared yeah, that, to that him. The hair holds secrets, we know that. <laughs> um, right? Yeah, uh, yeah it's, I, I
1: it's interviewed Stephen Drost once. That one I'm really obviously really jealous of yeah but he was also uh, a total sweetheart very understanding when we went way over time in fact he actually he was trying to you know we did a, it was a phone interview and it happened while he was leaving a studio he's like listen I need to go to the hell can I call you back in like 20 and like yes Stephen Drozd you can call me back in 20 and so and he did and he was just like you know laying around and just like we just had a very casual conversation he was dropping names about experimental acts like Popo vol and other things like and then also uh you know he we talked about Stephen burns a little bit it because like while we were talking about the terror at the time too and kind of the isolationist aspects of it uh he also mentioned how uh, you know brought up the steve burns collaboration because he legitimately worked with the former host of blues clues on an album called song for dust i
2: love that story because like they're really really close friends they right. uh, they uh steve burns was saying like you just imagine like how how weird it was because like he was just a massive flaming lips fan they were his favorite band and he just act- called i think he somehow got in contact with Friedman. Dave yeah. Friedman just, like, wanted to meet up with them and see what happened. And, like, Stephen was, I think, in the middle of kicking heroin. And he's going through, like, he's going through a lot of withdrawals. And then he's like, yeah, just imagine, like, you're just going through the worst time of your entire life. You're freaking out. And then there's the dude from Blue's Clues just <laughs> sitting on the couch just kind of coaching you through the whole thing.
0: I feel like, though, <laughs> yes, that's a weird experience. Except that we know from the documentaries that we watched this week that Stephen quote-unquote kicked heroin and went through withdrawal yeah. like all the time like mm-hmm. he did it a ton like every time he would go to yeah record he wouldn't bring the heroin with him and then yeah. would just go through withdrawal while making these records which is insane yeah is crazy. think about been- all of the artistic decisions that he made especially like at those later zarika onward albums and he's like consistently going through withdrawal. Oh yeah, yeah, no. Like, like
2: they described it. sometimes he would literally just be sleeping through withdrawals, and they'd wake him up just to record a part. And they'd be like, "Am I gonna just do that?" And he'd just like crawl over and just do his thing and do it perfectly, and then just go back to bed. That's they, amazing. Yeah. No, they just. I mean, I also love how they stayed. Fr- how they've all stayed really close friends throughout yeah. the year. Well and
0: I, I also yeah. like that they're still friends with all of the band members that have left too. Like they're on yeah. good terms.
1: Yeah. Actually that was my favorite part during the Fearless Freaks documentary talking to uh the brother Drows, Mark Coyne, yeah. How he was the jock who was like, Hey, it'd be cool to sing in a band and did it for an EP and was just like, This isn't really my thing. Look at Wayne. He's he would seven the time of his life, Wayne just needs to take over and he just left. Because, well, yeah, he, yeah. He, he
2: says, I mean, like, I was just sending you know to party and drink, you know, get messed up. It was a fun it was a fun gathering, but like, you know, like, like Wayne, this meant a lot to wayne and like that's why like, i felt like good about leaving because i think it forced him to really step up and he started himself with people that really cared and not just some guy that was there to party yeah. and jonathan donahue when they go to him because everybody thought he was salty he's like nah, man like that was just like one of the best times of my life like it sounds like, like it sounds terrible like we were broke as hell but like man i wouldn't
1: trade that It was yeah. great that's awesome. Also, guys, do you realize who ranks all fourteen other albums, right? Like that was a fucking journey that we I went. still don't think we did it right. Yeah.
0: I can't tell you what we should be doing differently, but yeah. it like doesn't I feel uneasy about our ranking. I just reason. also feel like yeah, I mean, even with Yoshimi, I came
2: here like with the start of like a research week, I was like, I don't know, like it's just it's really soft and by the time you wrap it up, it's just I think it's always gonna kinda change on the moment, which is kinda of how I felt about the Kanye one too.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen. We ended at graduation, which I don't think a lot of people were expecting. But also, graduation is a great damn album, though. So, mm-hmm. and I, I love my beautiful dark with fantasy much as everyone else. There were flaws on it. Oh, so, dude, you know. fucking. Oh,
2: that reminds me. I, I saw Kanye Bonru, kind of an infamous one. Flaming Lips were played the next night oh, after wow. that, and they had. So they had a. I guess they had saw the performance That's quite before. A yeah. uh, and so, oh, dude! Imagine that. Dude. I went from Lionel Richie to Jack White to the Flaming Lips. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was crazy. Jesus. No, so. They uh, like the next night uh, while we're watching the lips uh Steve, like I-, I mentioned that the like, Kanye like started freaking out about the press and just started shouting crazily like,
1: where the press what the press there what the, the press, press, press it's so, like yeah.
2: Stephen Jones like they're they're like tuning for the next song and like Drew's just going what the press there I want to know what the press there what the press there and just starts going at the- it was a fun time it's great <laughs>
1: Uh, well, listen. This has been going on for a half hour. Any other thoughts, th- story? I mean, I know you're always going to have yeah, like two... stories to tell and things like that. Just, Anything yeah, else jumping to mind? No,
2: just a lot, lots, lot, lots of vaginas and skulls. Favorite B side. <laughs> Favorite B side. Oh man.
1: Ah! Oh! What? Oh, no! 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 Bah, bah, bah. Uh, the not even the B side, but fucking I was I was getting a little kind of depressed with some latter era stuff when they brought out Peace Sword, the Peace song for the fucking oh, yeah, that EP
0: is like solid. That's EP just...
1: solid. Peace Sword, the song killed me. I'm like, oh my god, how did you just drop this? I really things? like
0: what's oh it called? God. It's shoot em something.
1: Uh, yeah like, kill them all, like, yeah, I yeah. know what i are
2: talking about, yeah. And I'm a big fan, of, I really like the one that they recorded for the doc, uh, Enthusiasm for Life Defeats the Existential Fear of Death,
1: you also are a big fan. Oh yeah, fan. you said that one to me. You're right. also a big fan of their contribution to the surprisingly amazing SpongeBob SquarePants soundtrack album. Uh, SpongeBob and Patrick confront the psychic wall of energy. Yeah. So oh
2: dude, also like a, like a how crazy is that movie when they talk about like in when in uh, when like Wayne almost got killed in a robbery and like uh, and, like he has like the kids like a oh, yeah, little Vietnamese kid. like,
0: okay, so now you get on the ground like you're you have a gun. Point. At you. And he's like, and I'm the robber, boom, boom. And they're playing like this really
2: dark, ominous music. And he's like, Hoco And like, you're like recreating you're your like, weird death what
1: experience. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah. And he's
2: like, yeah, and they just almost blew my head off right there. <laughs> and I'm like, I really, I
1: uh, had to reevaluate my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but apparently, that's one of the reasons that drew him to recording a song for SpongeBob SquarePants the movie, because SpongeBob also worked in, you know, the fast food industry. So he he understood, he related. Wayne
2: Coyne worked at Long John Silver's yeah, for ten years before the lips took off. Mm-hmm. By the way, dude, like, kind of, I normally don't like talk about this thing, but like, dude, the lips are like
1: pretty loaded
2: these days. Money-wise, they are financially doing very well for a psychedelic rock band. Like, holy shit. Well, the
1: standard of a psychedelic rock band, I'm sure, has some strings to that. Because,
0: yeah, they have this whole back catalog. They are Grammy winners. They... They're established. Their they live show is yeah. Their live right. show
1: is very well known. Yeah. Um, their live show. There's puppets. There's blood. I mean,
0: you know that live shows is there's how people puppets. make money in the music industry at this. Yeah. Point, somebody so. was like, uh, somebody was like, released those
2: like sheets showing about what they generally book bands at or like sticker prices for booking. Like the yeah. lips, I think, are like a hundred thousand to book. Jesus. And but I think a lot of that goes back into production. I read that yeah. they spend about eight or twelve thousand dollars a show on confetti.
1: Uh-oh. that sounds about right oh and very randomly because they have fans they have people there are a lot of people that really love The Flaming Lips a lot of friends if you will but man no, I, I pulled really? up this bucket no no. Uh, but I pulled up this oh, clip of I think God. it was 2003 they were performing on the Top of Pops because for whatever reason Yosemite Part 1 was doing really well and this is around the time that everyone on stage was wearing animal costumes at one point there. And during that particular performance, uh, there's a dolphin playing bass. You're like, oh, cool, whatever you're doing, Michael. But no, it's not Michael. The dolphin takes his head off, and it's Justin Timberlake playing bass on fucking Yoshimi Bells of the Pink Robots Part 1. It's like, oh. Okay. Okay. And
2: then uh, Wayne tried talking to Steven Heller, the creator of SpongeBob, to see like when he's assembling the the soundtrack because he also got original music from Wilco po- around "A Ghost Is Born" and the yeah. Shins from "Shoots Too Narrow." Yeah. And so like Wayne was like, "Yeah, well, we can also get Justin Timberlake on there." And Steven was like, "No, I don't want any of that mainstream crap. I want I want the underground. House. I want something real." Well, randomly,
1: well, randomly <laughs> SpongeBob. Uh, on, on that SpongeBob soundtrack, I don't know why we're. Spending a lot of a happy are Still talking about it, but they have uh, Ocean Man by Ween Wee, and a song by fucking Motorhead too. Just like <laughs> all right soundtrack, you got me. That's,
0: SpongeBob has always had like a pretty wide depth of like influences and cultural yeah. like, touchstones. You're like, oh okay, that's a that's a random one.
2: No, yeah, dude, and then I love like yeah like like <laughs> like uh the album Ween's The Molus is like a large inspiration for the show SpongeBob, which is why it has Ocean Man on there. Yeah. There's even, like, some of, like, the dialogue in, in that show is referenced to various
1: songs off the Mollusk. I kind of love that. Wow. <laughs> and, I did not know that. So, me in high school discovering the Flaming Lips, big deal for Span ever, really, you know, like, dove into Great. for a while. Uh, when I heard and saw like, you know, photos or footage of the parking lot experiments, Wayne was wearing this yellow, like, you know, kind of, like, jacket, you know, like, rain jacket or everything for a while, so for, of course, me in high school, I began wearing a yellow jacket of a similar ilk, <laughs> like, around, around all the time, because I'm like, Wayne Coyne did I thought it was cool but my love of them drew so far that I, when I got a copy of Zareka I freaked out I'm like oh my god I have Zareka I thought it was like this loss I thought it was out of print and I think at the time it genuinely was out of print too uh, and so I found I somehow got a copy, and I invited like twelve friends over to my basement in high school, all with CD players, and we actually had a Zureka party. And I remember like shutting the lights off for like a Machine in India, and everyone just like laying on the floor silent as these songs play. And that was the thing, like when we had our Zureka party, I did not remember the dog attack at all. I don't remember. <laughs> there's a lot of things I don't remember at all, but I do also remember us all enduring through a Machine in India. I remember liking it a little bit more then and hating it now because I'm like this can end but uh yeah it was experience but man just especially hearing march the she rotten mean, vegetables yeah, again it's
0: like six minutes of a good song yeah, that's about <laughs> and it and then it has four more minutes
1: yeah yeah, but yeah hearing march the rotten vegetables like this during right. our party was just like that's, next level.
0: i i definitely hear and i don't know what the exact timing is on this but i hear a lot of like explosions in the sky in this era of flaming lips interesting I also love, like, the evolution of the Flaming Lips stage
2: show. It's been, like, always kind of been a spectacle between, like, the beginning when they were just, like, setting symbols on fire and hitting them to, like, when they did the uh, Cloud's Taste tour and they just, like, set up all those Christmas lights that ran out of a van in the back. Oh,
0: that was amazing. Oh, yeah. That was pretty incredible. And then they had those, like, spinning light orbs.
2: No, then, like, up until, like, I love the, the softballs, one was really cool, where they just had, like, uh, a projector to, like, fit, to fill in all the stuff that, to kind of make up for all the stuff that's pre-recorded, so some of it would be, like, a lot of it would be pre-recorded drums, or if they had to have Steven play, it would be, like, a video of, like, Stephen playing in the back, while it's, like, also he's there playing the guitars and the keyboard uh-huh, shit, because uh-huh. they toured as a three-piece. That's and, kind of amazing. And yeah, now it's it just kept getting bigger and bigger. Then they had the UFO, where originally the stage was just a big giant UFO that they'd descend from. That sounds about right. It gets, yeah, it just gets it gets wilder.
1: Apparently, though, when they got signed to Warner Brothers on that night in like 91, 92, they uh, actually did do the thing where they put alcohol on the symbol of the drum and began lighting it on fire and then hitting it. But during that time, uh, they hit it too hard once, and the flaming alcohol actually went all over the place and started lighting the club That's, on fire. Yeah, they have footage in, of in it. In the end, they're yeah. famous freaks where it's just like you, fucking idiots. Like they lit
0: yeah. the stage on
1: fire. Yeah, yeah. Dude, and
2: also, we talk, We've been talking about, about this movie a lot. But like that movie for me, like I think like some people may have their like different entryways. It may have been like our band could be your life. If you're a crazy person, that could be dig. Mm-hmm. But like for me, like that was the one. Like oh shit! Like I can like I can start a band. Like, like yeah. I can, like, totally, like, suck for... I can totally suck forever and then hopefully, like, one day be good. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, it's, like, one well, of those things, like, oh, this is, like... Anybody
0: can do this. Yeah. Right. For, you have to put the work in, in. But, but yeah, you just get started. Yeah. Maybe the, you'll get
1: there. For me, it's dig because like, even if you don't love the Danny Warhols or Dan, uh, Brian Jones time massacre, which is okay. You don't have to love them. Every time I watch a movie, I'm like, ah, I'm going to record it out right now. Like, It's just like every single time. It just gets you so jazzed. Because like, you can never tell if, is he
2: actually a genius or is he just kind of like... <laughs> pretty good stuff that's crazy yeah like like, you can never really like yeah is he just like yeah are we just like really giving him too much
1: credit or is this actually kind of genius also as we all know the best b-side of all time is their country rock
0: thank you Jack White for that fiber optic Jesus <laughs> that you gave me.
1: yeah, there's there's a
2: lot of weird EPs and B sides. Yeah,
1: and Taryn, to his credit, like when he was doing research week, he only listened to the album because like there's so much. I can't listen to your fucking collaborative album with friends because no, because well, no. Well, no. See,
0: I tried. I tried to listen to Heady Friends, and it was <laughs> so bad after the first three well, songs that I was like, yeah, no I But you know have...
1: what? Actually I'll take that back. One of my favorite things, uh the bonus track he did on uh, Kesha's second down warrior has collaboration with her past lives is actually rather beautiful, simple, wonderful melody. Like, you're just like, this is what your collaboration could have been. God damn, why not? Uh, you go to johnharvey.net for more. Uh, he will have his postings including his latest updates to the uh, Ronald Jones saga, which is uh, a constant, ongoing, updating thing, which is wonderful. Apparently
2: yeah, I, I'm a reference in some guy's video. A two-hour talking two-hour I
1: started watching that to, like, catch it. I'm like, I can't listen Same to Same here. I was this. like,
2: I know like, thank you for referencing me, but like without giving me, like, the time marks, I you know, I, right
1: exactly like this is two hours of ronald jones backstory i don't need this it's great you know sure but yeah whatever uh guys uh, what, what's your favorite flaming lips piece we want to know what's your flaming lips story tell us to it go to our facebook what page what do you think the worst flaming lips actually song no is? no i want to know that right now whatever you're doing right now let us know what that is and it better not be it better be good that's all i can say uh find us on the facebook uh, or you could leave it when you give us a rating on itunes you could leave your comment there I don't know what it is Find us on I'm Stitcher. On Google Play. Google Play. Uh, two Blobs Fucking, I believe we're on there, which is a thing that's happening. Uh, I don't know. GummySkull.com <laughs> JohnHarvey.net slash podcast. If you're a real big
2: fan, you can buy our life-sized gummy Evan <laughs> With, with special bonus unreleased co- podcast content yeah, in, in it, the butt
1: <laughs> you really have to reach up you have to reach up to get it it is fantastic, the gummy intestine wow, beautiful, you Extract it from the gummy colon, guys, gummy colon, new band name gummy uh, colon <laughs> <laughs> alright, we're done uh, keep on listening, you know we will be have a good one guys, thank you so much
0: goodbye Bye.
1: i talking about Mr. A to Z from A to Z. That's what we did. And uh, what else? What, what's your oh, podcast? Oh, you took um, this one. The
0: cartographers <laughs> <laughs> with the H at the end. Oh, oh yeah. But so yeah, I also. That's great.